everyone. This is Miss Dynamite. Stephanie Chi is coming to you from the editing room. I just wanted to say a quick hello and thank you for downloading the first podcast edition of AW Weekly. Now, for those of you who have never heard of the show before, AW Weekly is a show I do every week live on YouTube where we discuss and dissect Dynamite. So in this episode, which is the first time it's been available on podcast form, you're going to hear me reading out the comments from the live viewers. There may be a few hard edits where I've removed some stuff that's not really relevant to you podcast listeners, but I hope you enjoy the first episode. And remember, if you want to get involved, you can always watch live on YouTube on Fridays at 6pm UK time over on my YouTube Stephanie Chase Wrestling and if you'd like to donate to help the show you can do so through our host Red Circle and don't forget to give me a follow on Twitter at Stephanie M Chase where I'm always live tweeting dynamite follow on Instagram at Stephanie M Chase and subscribe to my YouTube channel if you love AEW there's lots there for you to enjoy including the video version of this and interviews with AEW superstars including Britt Baker, Chris Jericho and Sean Spears and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast feed so you can listen to AW Weekly every single week. Now enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to a special Tuesday edition of AW Weekly. I am of course your host, Miss Dynamite herself, Stephanie Chase. And yes, it is a Tuesday. We are once again here on a Tuesday which, you know, not ideal, but it does mean we can talk about the dynamite that is going to happen tomorrow night, as well as talking about last week's dynamite. And last week's dynamite, I thought was a really, really fantastic show with a awesome, awesome main event. So we are going to get into that. It was, of course, their last show in Daly's place for a while as well. But yes, um... It has been, I'm doing the show on a Tuesday because I had a very, very, very fun weekend. Maybe some of you saw. Um, I, of course, on Sunday was at RevPro live at the cockpit in London. Yes, fans are back in wrestling. They're back in RevPro. It was really awesome to be there and to be part of the show and just to see fans watching wrestling again. It felt like such a long, long time coming and it was so cool and it was a really, really good show as well. Um, If you, you know, of course, if you weren't there live, it will be on the RevPro On Demand service. But awesome show and as I said on Twitter you know the last wrestling show that I went to before the pandemic was RevPro Live at the Cockpit uh, where I was a spectator a, a fan in the crowd so to come back this time and be part of the show I was doing my little intro thing again that you might have seen me do for RevPro it was really really fun and yeah it's now that's it we're back we're back the next um show that I will be at is in Bristol in about two weeks. That is going to be really cool to actually travel to a show. Um, do one, you know, outside of my home base in London, like get to travel, get to see some different fans. And it was awesome. And we had like a nice surprise of a show to Umino making his return to RevPro and you got to have the crowd actually react to something like this. So it was really, really, really fun. Really fun indeed. And what else did I get up to? And then yesterday I got on a swing, <laughs> which you might have seen the photos on Facebook, on Twitter of that. I had so much fun. I'm, I'm such a kid. If you bring me to a, a park and there's a swing, like I will 100% get on it and just make a fool of myself. But yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase and also on Instagram at Stephanie M. Chase as well. But let's get into it let's get into dynamite dynamite was back on a wednesday and what an amazing difference it did make to have the show back on a wednesday and we had a pretty pretty hot crowd as well in daily's place for their final show in daily's place for a few weeks and then it will be their final show in daily's place for a very long time 
But we opened the show. This was a show with Chris Jericho on commentary. So he came out first, full Judas entrance, um, awesome way to kick off the broadcast. And he joined Excalibur and Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. They're announcing for the whole show. Uh, he, I thought he did a really, really great job, particularly in the main event. We'll get into that. Um, and as well in the Brian Pillman match. But yeah, great to see Chris Jericho on commentary again. But we opened with Eddie Kingston and Penta defeating the Young Bucks, who had, of course, Brandon Cutler. Now, the stipulation of this match is kind of stipulation that they have done many times before in AEW, where you have a match against the champions to earn a title shot. So if Kingston and Penta win, they earn the title shot. We had no Don Callis out here, so we did not get the... Callis, uh, Jericho, Winnipeg combination on commentary. The Young Bucks, I think one of the main takeaways from this match for everyone is how absolutely crazy the Young Bucks looked with their facial hair. Um, they are leaning in so hard to this gimmick right now. And it's awesome. Just every week they find a crazier and crazier look to come up with. And this week it was the mustaches. <laughs> uh, Tony Schiavone said they look like porn stars, which was very, very funny. I can't believe Tony Schiavone even knows what porn is. I was very taken aback by that. Um, yeah, even Nak Nakazawa has a mustache. It is absolutely, the, the facial hair is crazy. So when we, when we got towards the end here, we had Penta and Nick exchanging strikes, Penta hitting a super kick, but then catching one from Nick. And then Nick hit a low blow when the official couldn't see it. As usual, you know, the young bucks were playing up their dastardly tactics and also the numbers game. They went for the Lucha Brothers diving fear factor finisher, but Kingston broke up the pin just in time for a great near fall and then kingston hit an exploder on nick but he ate some super kicks to take him out penta then backdrop nick onto the floor and then the good brothers distracted the official but penta avoided the cold spray spray from brandon cutler who sprayed matt and said he can really see and he just full-on sprayed matt jackson and then the wonderful Frankie Kazarian, like a bullet out of nowhere, came and he took out Cutler and then Penta took out everyone with a top, a Topicon hero before the fear factor and spinning backwards allowed them the victory. And then Kingston and Penta, they acknowledged Frankie Kazarian after the match and his help. But yeah, really, really good match. I thought it was very awesome the way like they as usual played up like the young bucks are winning because they have this numbers advantage they have brandon cutler out there with his cold spray and then they have the good brothers who can just come out of nowhere and attack but this time we had a team who actually had their own friend frankie gazarian who took them out so that was really 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 awesome um, Bills Mafia says, I believe this was the first time someone won an eliminator match. I know I was expecting the Young Bucks to win. Yeah, I do believe it is the first time that someone has won um, one of these eliminator matches. Um, I I wasn't sure like exactly who would win because Young Bucks are winning everything, but it has been you know a long time of them not taking a defeat, and I think this is a pretty good tag team for them to come up against it. Um, but I don't think that they're going to be the team to dethrone the Young Bucks. As I was saying last week, you know, I love Penta, but I do kind of feel a little bit like Eddie Kingston is cheating on Moxley, even though his alliance was with Penta first. I see them as like the real couple and the real team with, um, you know, Moxley and Kingston. So, yeah, I don't see them picking up the gold, but it is good that they um that they got the victory here next we had christian cage and jungle boy backstage now of course they have a little alliance going on because the hardy family office really have it in for both jungle boy and christian and 
so Christian was just talking to Jungle Boy and kind of congratulating him on his performance last week. He said that you know he will be champion uh, one day, but tonight he is going for the record of being the first AW wrestler to get 50 wins. And then Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt appeared. Um, Luchasaurus thanked Christian for having Jungle Boy's back. Uh, Luchasaurus says he now has Christian's back. This is really sweet. And then Christian said that he is part dinosaur. So there's a bit of extra Christian cage uh, canon. But this is, it's an, the Christian and Jungle Boy relationship, I think, is very, very nice. And it's a very good use of Christian. And it's nice to see him, like, you know, build up the younger guy like this. And the only problem with this whole storyline, as I talk about every week, is really the, the Matt Hardy involvement. Um, I think if you were using someone else, it'd be great for them to get, like, two new stars over like if it was a younger star that had a vendetta against christian and young jungle boy i think that'd be really cool but instead we're building towards matt hardy and christian it seems which i know does excite a lot of people because they have so much history together from all their time in wwe but just for me personally i'd rather see matt hardy stay out of this one <laughs> but that's just me that's just me I think it's just I was never really a huge fan of Christian um, and Matt Hardy like in, in WWE. So I don't really have the same connection to them, whereas where the idea of this match happening excites me like in any way. Um, yes, Christian is part dinosaur, Matthew. Um, so Christian and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus versus Hardy Family Office. I mean, I'm sure that is a match that is going to happen uh, very soon. So then we had Matt, Ar Matt Hardy saying that he was sending Jack Evans after Jungle Boy for stepping in Hardy's business. And he doesn't care if Evans wins or loses, just that he hurts Jungle Boy. Because if you cross Hardy, you have to pay. So then we had Jungle Boy versus Jack Evans. Um, this towards the end here, we had them fighting on the top rope. Evans uh, slipped out, but Jungle Boy flipped out of a German suplex attempt and locked on the snare trap for the win. <clears throat> what interested me about this match, if you were watching AW Weekly last week, was the commentary because they started um, Jericho and Shivani and Jim Watson Excalibur started talking about Jungle Boy's hair and Jericho was talking about how your how having the long hair can actually be a negative and get you in some sticky situations um and then you know mentioning like Evans has the long hair but it's tied up he also mentioned that the ladies love the, the long hair we do indeed and I just thought Remember last week when I had that awful moment of fear where I thought maybe one day they'll do a storyline where Jungle Boy's hair keeps getting in the way of him winning and he has to cut his hair and I really don't want to see that happen. So that little um, reference to that in commentary really got me of thinking, oh my gosh, maybe my kind of nightmare scenario is going to come true. And at one point, Jungle Boy will end up having to remove his hair in order to win matches and that is how we go from jungle boy to jungle man but you know i think his photo with anna jay was enough to go from jungle boy to jungle man but anyway um so this is jungle boy's 50th win in aw he now has the most wins of anyone in the company of course they're not consecutive consecutive wins and he's not undefeated because he lost to omega last week but nice to see him hold that record also nice to see that you know he had this big match last week and they didn't, you know, forget about him and just move on from his story. They put him on TV this week. And I think that was really good to like keep his momentum going because I think other times when someone has, you know, had like a great match and they've um, fallen short, we saw this with a lot. We've seen this with a lot of TNT championship contenders that then the next week, you know, we don't see them again. They have like a couple of weeks off TV, but it was great to see Jungle Boy straight back in there, capitalizing on the momentum he has for putting in such a great performance against Kenny Omega. And he may not be world champion, he may not be a title holder, but he does have a record of 50 wins in the company. The first guy to get to 50 that was awesome 
And so um, after the match, the Hardy family office ran out, but Christian and the Jurassic Express made the save. Christian hit a reverse CDP on Hardy in the ring and choked him with his suit jacket. Evans tried to get involved, but Christian bought him off. So Pro Wrestling Outsider asks, is Christian going to turn on Jungle Boy? Hmm. I've seen this mentioned a bit of can we trust Christian? I could see Christian turning on Jungle Boy. I think he's a better heel than a face anyway. I could definitely see it happen. Maybe after we get through this Hardy family office um, whole scenario, uh, maybe that could happen. Or maybe the swerve is that Christian and Matt Hardy, with all the history that they have together, are actually in cahoots to take down Jungle Boy. I mean, that would be awful, but it could be that, though. That would um, then maybe we could pass off the, the the inevitable Jungle Boy versus veteran match to Christian instead of Matt Hardy. Uh, Sean says, I wish they'd made more of Jungle Boy being the first 50 wins. That was a big moment that was lost with the Hardy angle. Yeah, it was indeed. It was one of those things as well where I don't think anyone was aware that he was going for the 50 wins, the first person in the company to hit the 50 wins. And they really, really put it over on commentary. They really made a big deal about it. And it was mentioned so many times. But it's one of those things that you wonder, like, when did they realize that Jungle Boy was about to take this record? Because it's not something that has been, like, prominently featured where you it's been, like, made note of, of how close he is um, to actually getting to the 50 wins. Um Bill's Mafia, a channel member, says Christian probably wouldn't turn until he faces Kenny and loses first, in my opinion. Yeah, I think a clash between Christian and Kenny is coming up very soon, especially because we have all these um, special dynamites on the card. Next up, we had MJF addressing Chris Jericho. He may have his match with Sammy tonight, but he had something he wanted to say to Chris Jericho. He said he's outclassed Jericho week after week in the ring and on the mic. He told Jericho to call it quits, listed all of the stuff Jericho's done against him. And he said that Jericho used to be so cool, and he's not anymore. I highly disagree with that, MJF, but to disagree with 99.9% of what MJF says. Um, and he said that next week, he will announce a list of stipulations that he will give Jericho to, in order for him to have one last match with MJF. So what MJF wants is if Jericho gets through these stipulations, then he has a match with MJF. And if he fails to beat MJF, he has to leave MJF alone forever. So we'll talk about that in a second. But then he, uh, MJF also said he's going to take out his anger on Sammy Guevara. People have wanted to see this match for a long time to find out the future of professional wrestling. Actually, tonight they'll say that Guevara is the future because MJF is the now. And of course, I'm better than you and you know it. This idea of MJF giving the stipulations, of course, it is a rehash of what happened when Cody was going up in a match against MJF. But I love it, 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 and I cannot wait to hear what the stipulations are. Um, the added kind of thing that he said at the end with, you know, if Jericho can't, can't beat him, he has to leave him alone, would probably be a pretty good way to put uh, an end to this pinnacle and inner circle feud because it's, it feels hard to really book a very natural ending for it without having to break up one of the groups. And you know how I feel about even the thought of breaking up the inner circle just upsets me so much. So I never want to see them break up and the pinnacle are, you know, too new to break up. So that's probably a good stipulation where if you're going to give the win to MJF, you can kind of close the chapter in this feud by just saying that like Jericho has agreed that he can't come near him again. And, you know, uh, AEW, they do hold up their stipulations pretty well because we're yet to see Cody challenge for the title after he lost his match. Now, as far as the stipulations go, they can have a lot of fun with this. They can have a lot of fun with this, but everybody knows exactly what I'm waiting for. I am waiting for this Steph Chase dream match to happen, which is Chris Jericho versus Wardlow. And we all know that one of the stipulations for Je for Cody, sorry, getting the match with MJF was for him to beat Wardlow and they had that awesome steel cage match back in the early days of Dynamite. So I want to see Wardlow versus Jericho so, so, 
so much. Um, Matthew Mikofsky says, Steph, I'm with you. One stipulation has to be a match with Wardlow. Yeah, I think they're doing this whole angle just to give me that match, so I'll stop talking about it. Um, uh, Sean mentions that, yeah, it is a repeat of the Cody um, angle. Bills Mafia channel member says, yeah, but we want Wardlow to lose again. Um, Wardlow, should Wardlow be taking a lot of losses? No. He did take the, the loss to Jake Hager recently. However, um, him taking a loss to Jericho would just make my day. So <laughs> I want this match. I mean, sorry, Wardlow. I do care about your win-loss record. I do think that you are the future. As I always say, the company is really called All Elite Wardlow. However, he's going to face Jericho and he is going to lose so Jericho can get his match with MJF. Uh, that is what I think. Uptown Avondale, the stipulation I want is to demand that Jericho does another musical number with MJF. Bill's Mafia channel member says, lol, dinner debonair 2.0. I'd be down for that. I, I would be, I'd be down for another uh, dinner debonair. I absolutely love that. Uh, it's one of my favorite things they've done in, in AEW. So yeah, this, this, um, announcement by MJF is very exciting for me. It's just the prospect of the match with Wardlow. It's all I want to see. Will it be in a cage? Will it be a normal match? I, I would say they'd have to add some extra stipulation to it. Maybe like the cage, maybe no DQ. Who knows? But it's going to be awesome. And I will be so let down if this is not one of the stipulations. If MJF turns around and says, this stipulation is, Chris, you have to beat Sean Spears, I'll be like, No. That's not giving me my money's worth. It has to be Wardlow. But I also think that Wardlow, when he had the match with Jake Hager, we saw at the end, he had a little bit of frustration with the other members of the Pinnacle because he, Wardlow um, and Jake Hager had respect for each other after having that match. And then the beatdown happened and Wardlow was kind of like, really, guys, do I have to get involved with this after just having this you know, epic match, give me a minute to chill here. And I don't really want to do this. So I wonder that if the stipulation is that Wardlow has to face Jericho and Wardlow loses, could this be a little way out the door for Wardlow from the pinnacle? Because the moment we're all really waiting for is Wardlow turning on MJF. So I also wonder if MJF beats Jericho, and then Jericho and MJF never have anything to do with each other anymore. If the next storyline we pivot to is Wardlow turning on MJF, maybe, 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 maybe. Um, Uptown Everdale would like to see them sing anything you can do, I can do better. <laughs> um, True Heel Heat Wrestling. Hey, Stephanie and everyone in the chat. I thought MJF's promo was phenomenal. I expect the face-to-face -to, -face to be very entertaining. I do as well. I think that MJF did... This was a really good promo. I think last week I did talk a bit about how MJF's promos have been going recently. And I think that this was one of the best that we've seen from him in recent weeks. And I do think that being out on the road, getting a new crowd every week, will really bring MJF back to how he was promo-wise when the company started, which is how he got all the attention on him and how he got here to this place. So I'll be excited to see what MJF is like in the segment next week. I think it'll be very good, though, because him and Jericho work so, so well together. They're such a great, great, great match for each other. Um, uh, Matthew says, if the stipulation is a match with Spears, Steph will cancel AEW Weekly. That's not true. I will never cancel AEW Weekly. Um, Bill's Mafia channel member says, with a real crowd too, the face-to-face -face will be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it really, it really, really will be because the inner circle um, are so so over with the crowd like they did a great job of the turn of the inner circle and making them faces and i think that the live crowd has proved how well that has worked so i expect things to be very heated next week but i'm telling you when mjf says you will have to face wardlow the pop that the crowd will give for that announcement me sitting at home on my own all the way here in london it will be a larger pop than with the whole arena of people uh, at Road Ranger. Next, we had and uh, Andrade um, El Idolo interviewed by Alex Abriantes. He asked about 
Matt Seidel interrupted him last week and proposed they faced each other next week in Miami. This was a subtitled promo from Andrade, and he um, purposely got Matt Seidel's uh, name wrong. Um, this was odd because someone we'll talk about later, Vicky Guerrero was not there. Um, we had uh, Abriantes, you know, kind of doing the translation like he does for Penta. Um, I did see in the chat, let me find this comment that was about Andrade. Hello to Marcus8915. I would like to see Andrade join with Penta. Alex Abriantes would be a great manager and mouthpiece for Andrade. Uh, I think they'd fit well together, but I have said before, um, I am not a fan of Alex Abriantes being with Penta, especially you know when he was with Eddie Kingston. And I don't think he works for Andrade either. He's just not cool enough, in my opinion, um, to, to um, carry managing guys that with such strong looks and opinions and such strong skills themselves even if their english isn't the strongest which doesn't matter to me at all but i think they do a great a great job um sean cannot wait for andrade's debut yeah i think he is going to um it's going to be great to see him out there wrestling you know unchained as they say without the restrictions of wwe out there trying to prove himself and um especially uh, in miami i think the miami crowd will give him a really really great reception pro wrestling outsider says that uncle dave Meltzer said he'd prefer conan as um andrade's manager i don't think conan fits with andrade either just with the kind of gimmick that andrade's doing and his kind of look i can't see conan being a good fit either i think conan is absolutely great with proud and powerful as well um bills mafia says andrade i think could be fine on his own now um yes he absolutely can um i've interviewed andrade and he was great he he was a really great person to talk to and i see no reason why he even needs a mouthpiece to be honest next we had probably my favorite part of dynamite well it's a two-parter and i guess we'll talk about them together Kenny Omega comes out for an interview with Tony Schiavone. Kenny Omega also has silly facial hair. Love it. So he talks about how he manages to stay motivated every day. Today he woke up feeling like a king because he's defeated all the biggest stars in AW and now the top young star in Jungle Boy last week. And he said, with nobody left, it's time to take some time off. Then we had an interruption from the Dark Order. Now, Evil Uno says that he thinks Omega has a challenger, the man at the top of the singles writing, ranking. Omega would totally dismissed him, and Evil Uno said that he's right because, oh, so Omega was basically like, who, who's going to fight me? One of you in the Dark Order? I don't think so. And Evil Uno was like, you're right. It's not someone in the Dark Order. No one in the Dark Order has enough singles wins. But someone that the Dark Order were friends with, the number one ranked singles competitor in all of AEW. Now, the crowd were chanting for the handsome cowboy hangman Page, but Page's name was never mentioned on that in this. Omega said that, P that the person Evil Uno is referring to would not appreciate him speaking on his behalf and that this person doesn't have the guts and he doesn't think he has the right to take the belt. Then Omega did his goodbye. We saw no Hangman Page come out. His name was not mentioned. The crowd were chanting it. This was so, so well done. Evil Uno, you know that I'm very into telling you who I think has a great voice and who doesn't? Like Luther having the best voice in all of wrestling. Evil Uno has a great voice for these kind of segments. Um, and it was really, really, really on show. Um, during this. So if we skip forward a little bit, we had Hangman Page backstage with the Dark Order and he was upset with them. He asked if he if they thought he was scared of Omega. Uh, Colt Cabana said that they think he's scared of failure. Then we had um, Evil Uno was like, remember when I didn't win the TNT title and you raised me up? For my achievement. Uh, John Silver said, win or lose, we always have your back. Alex Reynolds said, this is your time. Um, this was 
beautiful, like absolutely beautiful, like really emotional. This idea that Hangman, he's scared of failure and he has these great friends backing him up. And it looks like the build has started to finally Omega and Paige. Not that the build ever ended because this is something that has been simmering from the beginning of AW, especially Hangman's story, because we know he was in the match to crown the first ever AW champion. He lost to Chris Jericho. He went on this tag team journey with Kenny Omega, where their fraction, their friendship was often on edge because of Kenny's like elite alliance and the relationship between Hangman Page and the elite. And then they seemed to get it together. They were tag team champions. Then they lost. And then it seemed like a breakup, like an actual relationship breakup between these two. And since then, we haven't had interaction. We've had Hangman Page, if you mention Kenny Omega to him, changing the subject. Hangman Page, when he was about to be the number one contender, that's the match that he lost. He lost that to Brian Cage. Did he, in his mind, even throw that because he was not ready to face Kenny? And then the other thing that I was thinking about was, as we said earlier when, when we were talking about the Young Bucks, the Young Bucks are able to get so many wins because they have so many people having their back. They have the Good Brothers. They have Brandon Cutler. They have Don Callis. People having their back. And it was thanks to Frankie Kazarian's interference that uh, Penta and Eddie Kingston were able to overcome this numbers game. Well, who in AEW has more friends than Kenny Omega? It's Hangman Page because the Dark Order have his back. And I think this is just really well set up. Um, if they do the match at All Out, then Hangman or um, Hangman he doesn't even necessarily have to win because the story that they can now, you know, be telling um, could be that he's finally just realized that he's faced his fear of failure. So you can even get it where he wins in the rematch, but it was just so beautifully done and just props to everyone involved in this, especially Mr. Evil Uno, who, who just so endearing and this relationship that they have built up between hangman page and the dark order i have loved every single second of it and now if the time is coming for us to have this match between page and omega i'm i'm ready for it let me see what you guys are saying about this bills mafia channel members as i was on the verge of tears with this whole promo it's so emotional i was sean says did anyone tear up during the page and dark order segment i did i i teared up so much so much uh, little did i know the other emotional things that were coming um during the show but uh, i love friendship and i love people having friends so much um Matthew says, be ready for the heartbreak when Hangman doesn't win the first time. We can be ready for that heartbreak, but with, with the situation that Hangman's in right now, when he lost to when he lost to Jericho, he was shouldering that heartbreak alone. But now if he loses, he has his friends that are always going to back him up and not just back him up, but build him up. So I think that you can do hangman losing just because he has that backing with him where you know he's going to be okay and next time he will be will be able to win because he will have first overcome his fear of failure by actually having the match and he will have learned something in the match that he may need to beat kenny omega um, Pro-Wrestling Outsider, I'm loving this two-year-long story. Me too. It's wonderful. Uh, Gerald Andrews, I think Hangman should be the only one to wrestle Kenny to a time limit draw and then win the title next year, like Omega did with Okada. That's very um, good idea, actually, to make it go to a draw would be would be awesome. Yeah, to make it go to a draw would be very, very cool. You, you guys seem to be into that um, idea. Uh, give me a Kenny versus all of Dark Order gauntlet, please. That would be a cool thing to do um, on some dynamites as well. Um, Uptown Avondale, if they're... 
If the Hangman Omega match gives us nothing else, it'll give us Brody Jr. low blowing Luke Gallows. <laughs> I think it'll give us a lot, more, a lot more memorable stuff than that. But yes, anyway, excellent, excellent uh, segment there. Now we go backwards to see Brian Pillman Jr. Um, he was backstage cutting a promo uh, before his match with Miro. Um, this is a really fun match, Miro and Brian Pillman Jr. Miro, of course, picked up the win, but it was very much. Um, Pillman just trying to take the big man down. Um, Miro, towards the end here, got nine blows on Pillman, but Pillman counted the 10th. Springboard dropkick from Pillman. Um, he did a lot of those. Jericho really bigged him up really well on commentary. Um, I thought he did a great job of just selling uh, Brian Pillman as a great young prospect. Um, Pillman sent Miro to the floor. Then there was a running diving dropkick. Pillman kept up the fight on the floor with repeated strikes, but back in the ring, he hit a springboard clothesline, but Miro kicked out Brian one he then counted another springboard but pillman landed repeated thrust kicks and then miro caught one hit a signature high kick then another called for game over and uh, locked it in um then we had a referee stoppage miro j is here just at the right time god's favorite champion is here yeah i've been loving the promo style that miro has been adopting with his god's favorite champion um persona it's absolutely awesome and Really, really good match. Brian Pillman has done so well. Um, he has really improved. And he's he's a slow burn character in AEW. Um, they've built him up very well. And I think he showed a, a lot of great, like, baby face fire right now. It's very, very cool. Uh, Miro J. Miro's Messiah Complex absolutely works. Love this. Bill's Mafia, the Redeemer. Miro's God's Favorite Champion might be the coolest wrestling moniker I've ever heard. I love it. Um, Matthew Mikofsky says, from what I remember, this was 95% Pillman and 5% Miro, but the 5% for Miro was more like 150%. Yeah, it was very much like the amount that Brian Pillman had to do to get anything over on Miro, but so little did Miro have to do to get the win over Brian Pillman. And Miro J says, there is no one on the AEW roster who could take the belt from Miro. Next up, we had Taz backstage with Hobbs and Hook. Uh, he said Brian Cage and Ricky Starks weren't here and it's been roughing them. Hook actually spoke. Hook spoke. This is not a drill. Um, on July 14th, we're going to figure this whole Team Taz mess out as Brian Cage will defend the FTW Championship against Ricky Starks, who will be medically cleared. This is nice. I hope that Team Taz like don't break up for good because I really, really enjoy them. But I think that I really feel like we are getting closer closer to the in-ring debut of Hook, and this might be a way to lead us to it but it will be very nice to see Ricky Starks back in action he has been missed in the ring and taking on Brian Cage this is an interesting thing to do with the faction I think make the two members fight each other like this for the FTW championship so yeah um can't wait to see this coming up in a couple of weeks um next okay here's the match Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel defeated Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. This we talked about a lot last week, that would this be a major swerve where Vicky Guerrero was not the person in the match at all, where she was going to step aside and say, here's who it actually is. It's Thea Trinidad, Zelina Vega, and she will be then become like the manager of Andrade. The swerve here was that there was no swerve. Vicky Guerrero actually wrestled that match. And we saw on SmackDown the decision that Selena Vega has made about her career. She is back, back in WWE. So no longer can we speculate if we are going to get the pairing of Selena and Andrade in AEW. It's not happening, guys. She's made her decision. What can you do? What can you do? Um, also, Rebel got injured in this match, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, but yeah, this was not not a good match um, at all. You know, Vicky is not a wrestler. Rebel's extremely entertaining. Um, but this is not 
This is not the, the first feud I would like to see champion Britt Baker in. I'm getting vibes of when Daniel Bryan won the WWE Championship and they put Kian as his first feud. This is just something where you're not properly building on the momentum that Britt Baker has. Like We followed this journey of Britt Baker. She's very much a fan-made superstar. Like Company courts are 100% behind her, but the fans love Britt Baker, even though she's a heel. And giving her Nyla as her first challenger in this kind of convoluted storyline that's involved Vicky Guerrero and then having Vicky Guerrero in the match I don't think this is the way to capitalize on the momentum the charisma the support everything that Britt Baker has this is not how I would do it at all Baker locked on the lockjaw on um, Guerrero that was the submission afterwards Rose attacked Baker and hit the beast bomb Guerrero set up a table and Rose powerbomb Baker through it to the floor um uh you know Vicky <sighs> had to take the eat the loss there but then you know we have to make Nyla strong because really Nyla hasn't looked strong for a very long time um and yeah that's really all I've got to say about this let me see what you guys are saying because I don't think you guys were wanted to or were really expecting to see um to see Vicky wrestle I think pro wrestling outsider is referring to this Oh, that was terrible. Miro J, oh my God, this match. Sean, oh dear, this match was bad. Um, Matthew, fans wanted Thea as Gia's manager. Fans wanted Thea to be Andrade's surprise. Fans wanted her to be in this tag match. WWE, let's bring her back, damn it. Seems that like Thea actually signed her WWE return contract quite a while ago. So, I mean, what can you do? Gerald Andrews says this whole match was a huge why to me. Bills Mafia channel member. One of the few times I was disappointed by Tony Khan. It's bad enough Vicky was in the match, but she no sold everything. Yeah, she's she just ain't a wrestler. Uh, Sean says I don't enjoy Vicky on TV. Miro, who was the face heel in this match? Um, I guess the heel was Nyla and Vicky because they're just worse than um, uh, Baker and. Um, Baker and, and Rebel as people. <laughs> uh, Zorda C channel member says maybe everything was planned different. Um, they went, um, however, Thea went back to WWE. Um, I don't think so because it seems that she did make her decision uh, well over a month ago. Um, Bills Mafia, there was no reason they could have done a Deeb versus Layla Hurst match or something um, and had Nyla just put Brick through a table after the match were backstage. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason why, when we were waiting for the Brit Hikarashida match, they couldn't have, on the undercard, built up another woman to be the challenger. Because I don't think they even built up Nyla properly to like lead us to this place. But yeah, there you go. It was Vicky all along. Makes me wonder about an, uh, Andrade too, though, because she wasn't with him. This week, if that if that was just because she has this match, or if they're maybe backtracking on that, I don't know. I think it'd be an idea to backtrack on it because it's just not a pairing that seems to be working um, at all. Uh, next up before the main event, we had Jake Hager saying that every time the Pinnacle sees. Uh, then one or two things happen. They get their ass whooped or they get their ass whooped. So Zana says they get their hands um, dirty. It's going to feel sweeter knocking FTR. Uh, knowing FTR brought the fight they had, they're going to have Conan in their corner. Um, so yeah, that was building up the match that is going to happen next week. Inner Circle, Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz versus the Pinnacle, Wardlow, Dax Wilder and Cash Wheeler. Ooh, I'm into that match. I'm into that match. Let's see, let's see Wardlow get a pin here on Jake Hager. So then we have his record being better. Um, and then he can take the loss to Jericho. Then we had our main event, MJF defeating Sammy Guevara. This match was excellent. Um, I would probably put it in a top 10 dynamite main events list. Both guys I thought really had a great showing for themselves. So, so, so good. Um, they started off with some chain wrestling, but then 
uh, to what like later on in the match. We got some incredible spots. I'm just going to pick it up from where Guevara dropped, kicked the chair into MJ's face that knocked him into the stand. And then he followed up with this amazing top rope center bomb all the way over the barricade into the audience. That was an awesome, awesome spot. I was watching going, don't die, Sammy, please. Um, and then he rolled MJ back into the ring. He went for the 630 senton, which, of course, how he uh, won the stadium stampede match. Um, but MJF popped up and pushed Guevara down using the ropes. He then did a second rope pal driver for two. That was awesome. MJF was clutching at his knee. Uh, then he made it to his feet where he was cradled by Guevara for another good near fall. Um, and then MJF went for the heat seeker, seeker, but Guevara pushed his way out of it. Sunset flip. There was another cradle exchange. Guevara hit thrust kicks and then a GTH, but MJF's foot was on the ropes. Guevara went for the 360 again, but MJF managed to get away. Guevara hit it anyway for another great near fall. And then we had Sean Spears coming out. So Chris Jericho, who was on commentary, ran in to make sure that that didn't happen. But then Wardlow, his future opponent, um, he came out to attack Jericho from behind, uh, hurting his arm again. The official was distracted when Spears hit Guevara with a chair shot to the head. Uh, MJF barely covered for the win. Absolutely excellent, excellent match. I thought that Jericho did an amazing job on commentary here, putting over the full story that we've had between the not just the inner circle and the pinnacle, but MJF and Sammy Guevara. Personally, um, he really, really added to the match. Um, and... It was great to have him there just to you know make sure that something didn't happen between with the other members of the pinnacle even though unfortunately it did at the end but yeah i thought this was one of mjf's best ever in ring performances and sammy's as well they were so 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 good um bills mafia says steph will manifest wardlow versus jericho no matter what i don't even think i need to manifest it this that, that hard though these guys They've been interacting. It's going to happen. Uh, Sean says, what a match. What a match. Yeah, absolutely wonderful. It got a really great reception from the fans too. Um, I was sad that Sammy lost, but at the end of the day, MJF is the leader of the pinnacle and he needed the win here. He really did, especially if we're building to MJ MJF versus Chris Jericho. He needed to get a win. Then... We talked about how the Dark Order Hangman segment made us on the verge of tears. Well, I actually cried my eyes out at, at this. The final few minutes, we got the video package um, by, it was the Dirty Heads Celebrate featuring the unlikely candidates. It was a lovely little video montage of all the moments that have happened at Daily's Place, uh, the, that era of Dynamite. It was so cool to see... Um, everything that's gone on like everything that has gone on because you forget like because most dynamites now have been in the pandemic era and just to see just all the moments that you've forgotten about there are of course wonderful shots of mr Brody lee in there it was a really 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 great send-off to the daily space era of dynamite which i mean they have made the best out of the situation um, of the pandemic. Having Daily's Place, it's been incredible. So, yeah, that video package, I watched about five more times there, um, before I went to bed that night, and it did make me cry. It made Bill's Mafia cried, um, cry as well. He cried the second he saw Brody in it. It was wonderful, really, really wonderfully well done. And farewell, Daily's Place, for a couple of weeks, but they'll be back. Moving, let's move on before I head off here to next week's Dynamite. Road Rager, they are in Miami. Woo! So they are, they're leaving Jacksonville, but they're not leaving the state of uh, Florida. Uh, we have the AEW World title, um, tag team title match, Young Bucks versus Eddie Kingston and Penta. Um, could we see a title change here? I don't think so. Um, it'd be really interesting to see. Um, be really interesting to see what the crowd, like the reaction that they have to like Eddie and Penta and um, the Young Bucks. Um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really, really good match, though. And also interesting to see, you know, having them 
do a match like two weeks in a row, how they can how they can make a difference. But I think that's going to be a really, really, really good match. Um, then we have a South Beach, Beach strap match, Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall. Um, interesting, interesting, interesting. I'm not sure if anyone was really wanting another match between QT and Cody. It's interesting because Cody hasn't been on TV for a while. Um, obviously, he just welcomed Daughter Liberty with Brandy. Um, but if you were wondering, is this whole thing with QT continuing? Yes, it is, because now we have a South Beach strap match. It is um, important to note that we were going to have the coffin match between Darby Allen and Ethan Page on this show, uh, and then it was removed. Um, and it will be happening after that. So uh, this is a really, really stacked card, though. I can see why they took the, the coffin match um, out of it. We have Andrade making his in-ring debut for AEW against Matt Seidel. That's going to be really fun. And Seidel is a really great, solid worker. Very good first opponent for Andrade. We have the inner circle. Jake Hager, Santana, and Ortiz. Um, they will have... <coughs> Conan in the corner versus the Pinnacles, Wardlow, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. You don't even need me to tell you how excited I am for this match. And as I said, I think Wardlow's taking a pin here. Wardlow's taking, Ward, not taking the pin, Wardlow is getting the pin here. Um, absolutely. Um, and then we have Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander versus the Blade and the Bunny. This is a Dynamite first, a mixed tag match. Um, this is going to be really interesting. Chris Statlander is is awesome, especially since she came back. Bunny definitely needs some work, but it looks like it's going to be a really fun match and it'll be interesting to see how they how they do that. And then of course we have the Chris Jericho and MJF face to face standoff. We're in the middle of it. MJF will say to make. Miss Dynamite, Stephanie, she is happy. I need you to fight Wardlow immediately. <laughs> um, Bill's Mafia says, this has to be the end of the feud, right, right. And that was about uh, Cody and Cutie. God, it has to be. But we've talked before about how Cody's storylines work and how he's kind of booked. He, he, he moves on from things way too quickly, but this is the storyline that he's decided to stick with the longest. So I don't know. I don't know. I am surprised that they're like continuing with this because honestly, Cody has not managed to get QT over as anyone. He hasn't managed to get anyone um, in the factory over. QT is not over. Anthony Agogo, um, is he over? I'd say I'm not sure on that after the after what happened at the pay-per-view with his loss. I think that was so detrimental to him. And we had a long talk about that at the time. So I would like to see the the end of this Cody and Cutie feud. Please, 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 please. Let me see anything else happening here. <laughs> Zorni C says, Bill's Mafia, I get that Cody should take time off half a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Landry says, Cody's views have introduced brand new talent, though that's got to count for something. Have they really? Like, especially the recent ones? I mean, we, we were introduced to Anthony Agogo, but I I do stand by that they made the, the wrong decision with A, the direction that they took that feud in, um, and B, like him losing. Uh, so I think that he, Cody tries to bring in new talent and elevate new talent, but he doesn't work long enough or maybe correctly enough with them for it to really make a difference, like especially recently, um, especially, you know, recently. But there you have it. So Dynamite Road Rager in Miami tomorrow night. Enjoy your Tuesday evening. Get ready for Dynamite tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter at Stephanie M. Chase, uh, where I will be, as always, live tweeting Dynamite. Oh,